Good morning. I have to tell you guys a, a crazy story that happened with, with this Sefer and with, uh, with the Rebbe this week. Something amazing. Uh, what was it? Yesterday morning, I went to go print that, new, that picture that's in the back, that picture of the, of the, of the Piyasetzner, of the Vnei Machsheva Tova. And I, had an, I have another picture of him that I was wondering maybe if that's one, that one's better, because that one's the one that back here is not the resolution. It's very schmuck, but it's it just startling. So I went to this printing place, and the woman that was there was like, she was very busy, and she didn't look like she just came from like, a, you know, a Tanya Shear, if you get my drift, right? The way she looked. So we go to the computer to open these files of the picture, a picture of the, that I wanted to print. And we, we open up the picture, that picture of the Piazzetzner. And she can't, she's, whoa, she says. And she, I'm talking to her, and it's like I'm talking to nothing. She's not hearing what I'm saying. And she just, I'm talking to her about resolution, this and that. She's like, who, Misa, who is this? And she's going over and over again, like, asking me all these questions about what this picture is. What is that thing that he's wearing? What, 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 why are his, eye, his eyes are telling me a story? Like something, something way out, way out. And there was like tons of people coming in out of the store. She was ignoring everyone. And it was really just her and the, and the, and the PSS. And it's not, I'm, again, it's, she never, I told her the name. She never heard of him. She never heard anything about him. And even when we had to choose a frame afterwards, it stopped again. And she kept on like, Choosing different frames that would mamish be mavlit, that would be uh, the Arisen bullet, that would be. Uh, that was what? Accenting, accenting the, the, to make sure mamish gets the, the, the punim out better through the. Just, just absolutely crazy. And then, like, I could tell that she, she really wanted to know more. And then I started telling her, you know, this person, the, the, the book that we have of his that really. Has changed the world. There's a book that he, he even he was killed before he could publish it. He put it in. Do you guys know the story of the Ish Kodesh even, of his writings, how it came out to the world even, how it was hidden in a cod in a in a milk cart, whatever. But we'll, we'll get to that. It's an, another whole story which is very chashuv. But anyway, it ended up. Uh, it took me. It took a while. So I spoke to her for so long about the Ish Kodesh, and at the end I emailed her his his. Uh, I feel so shallow saying this now, his Wikipedia page and all the info about him there, but it was like, I never saw an experience like this, that, a, that this woman behind a counter in a printing, you know, in a printing shop so just was captured. Mamish, captured by, by his eyes. And it was so empowering to realize like if she's captured by his eyes, and we have the privilege to be captured by his eyes, ears, heart, mouth, words, passion, it's just a humbling to be connected to this tzaddik. And then you think like, you know, so the Germans, they won. So it's not about winning or not winning, but we're sitting here 70 years later, basking in his light. He's He's very, very much alive. So we're on page 34. And I'm not sure how many of you got to see the English that I sent out last night on the, on the, on the group, but that really explained what we were trying to do yesterday and we, on Sunday, and we stopped at the wrong place. Because when we stopped in yes, on Sunday's learning, it was more a question of, uh, we got to like a place of him saying, 
you'll be so disgusted from your life. And then we stopped. We didn't really, <laughs> we didn't really move on so much from there. And obviously that's never the kavana of the Rebbe, to just stop in a place like that. Everything that he takes, everything that he leads us on, on a mind trail, is to lead to a transformation that's happening in the heart, triggering back up to the world of thoughts. So we also started discussing the statement of the Gemara that says, Noach lo adam nivra, that it's better for a person if he would not have been created. So um, let's just go back inside and see how we could, we could make some shalom over here with all the pieces we've been learning. So if you look at um, page 34, we're about seven lines from the bottom. Virak az tavin. Do you guys see those words? Virak az tavin. Last four words. Last four words in the line. So that's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven. Seven lines from the bottom. Yeah? Guys, do you see it? Do you see yeah. it? I, okay. Virak az tavin kamat sotkim tivrei chazal. Shamru noach la adam shelo nivra, mishenivra. Only after, the, after realizing the, what you've done to yourself by removing yourself from this machana of Shechina, this camp of Shechina that we spoke about, will you understand why Chazal say that a person, really it's better if he wasn't created than having been created. What's left of what him, the fact that he's been created? You walk through this world like a Passing shadow. Being thrown out from the camp of Shekhinah. Who knows if you could ever even get back to that place that, was, that felt so good at a certain point and that you knew felt like home. You know, sometimes that happens to us. We wonder, can I even get back to when it felt like I was really in the camp of holiness? when I was ever in the camp of Kedusha. How much better would it have been if he wouldn't have been created? Now, why? So that he wouldn't have experienced any of this? So we usually understand that statement to say, it's better if I wasn't created because look what I'm doing in this world. I'm not really, I'm not really getting it, right? He's saying your neshama is still alive. Your neshama is always alive. Nivra, I think, means being created in a physical body. It doesn't mean your neshama has been created. He's saying, imagine if the, the Gemara says, Noach lala adam shalom nivra. It's better if a person wasn't created in a body so that what? He could remain as a neshama. Isn't Noach more pleasant? More comfortable. More com- okay. Things aren't always comfortable. Right, so he's saying, it's better to not have gone through this uncomfortable being thrown from place to place like, in this world. Being up and down means also more I mean, there's a ton of things that are more comfortable. It doesn't mean it's better. Okay, let's say, so let's say, let's use the language, it's more, com- it's uh, less or more comfortable. I think it's saying feels like they just can't, they, they get despondent that they can't get there. Yeah. And it's even, it's better as if that they didn't even taste that. It's well, have you ever experienced that when you say, you know, Abba Shleiman, uh, don't give me the highs 
and don't give me the lows. Let me just, let me, I'd rather just be on cruise, on autopilot, like cruise control, because having the highs and losing them is much more painful than tasting the, tasting the show, tasting the low. I'd rather not have the high, I'd rather not fly, if it means I have to experience what it means to come back down. For somebody who thinks that they can't, who comes to Eretz Yisrael on a visit and has the highest trip, but for whatever reason, or they're in there in Mitzrayim and they think it's not possible for them to live here. Yeah. That's it. Don't bring me. Yeah, I once read a, a, an article by this artist that came to Israel, experienced such divine oneness at the Kotel, and the, the artist wrote at the end, it pains me so much that I have to go back to the real world, back to New York. You guys feel like going back to the real world? I mean, are, are we not in the real world? It's, you know. Now, but here he's saying, look what he's saying, something very important here, very interesting. He's saying, How much better would it have been if he wasn't created, meaning if he wasn't put into this world, and then what would be with a person like that, with a neshama like that? The neshamas, what, what would happen to the neshama? Complete one is bittle with, with a Kaddish Baruch I mean, he's saying over here, now we're thinking as souls, not just as people. Can you imagine that we experience, we're experiencing life as a soul and not just as a soul with the body? But he's saying that could, that, that's one of the reasons why Chazal is saying, It's much more comfortable for the neshama to not have to go through the world because what would happen if the neshama didn't go through this world? It would remain in that amazing oneness, divine oneness, completely swallowed up in the Kedusha and the Bittu with the Kaddish Baruch You know, there's stories about like, the Baal Shem Tov pleading with God uh, either to come down to the world or not to come down into the world. It's like neshamas, there are stories like this, neshamas that beg Hashem not to have to come down here, but God needs them to come down here. To do, to do a certain something. I know this is very hard for us to understand because we're still used to relating to life more as a neshama in a body, or even as a body that sometimes has access to his neshama. Here he's saying, the whole point of, of what we're trying to do here is to look at life again as, view it as, experience it as a, as a neshama that has to go through something in a body. And not a body that sometimes is connected to its neshama. So noach adam nivra, it's better for a, for a person that not have been created and thrown into this world because for the neshama, it's very, very uncomfortable down here. Very, where we're so sensitive to so many different things. In that place up there, the neshama, which is really connected to our emotions, doesn't have to really worry about, you know, being sensitive or not. It's all bitul gamur, this complete comfort. The neshama without a roof is, is nothing. You know. What's it's nothing just, about it? It's just, okay, it's one with Hashem. It's just, it's not achieving anything. The neshama without a roof doesn't achieve anything. And, and that's okay. Meaning the neshama says, I'm okay with not achieving anything either. Let me just, you know. Okay, so what's the point? Uh, here it's nice. It would be nice. But Isn't that the ultimate achievement of oneness with Hashem? Yeah. If the, if the ultimate achievement is oneness with Hashem, then what's wrong with looking it's at... This food to Hashem. This food to goof. I mean, that, that's the point. Right. No, I mean, I know, but, it's a, but what he's saying over here is that a person, he's not saying you should. He's saying eventually what you might, what you might get to through looking at rem all the times you've removed yourself from being a monk's dusha, you'll come to a realization 
whether it's right or wrong, that says, I wish that I wasn't even created. For my neshama to just be in, I don't care about the achievements, I don't care about if I feel good or feel bad, this whole trip of this world is too much for me. He's not saying that's a, that's a goal we should get to. He's still describing, you know, he's still describing what you might start feeling on your spiritual journey. I think he's just showing us you have to separate them, focus, focus on just the neshama aspect. And that, that's, the, that's the essence of us. Well, he's saying and hopefully if you do the work, you'll get to just focusing on that. Right, so hopefully. To, to look at it by itself, you've you got to separate it from the goof experience. So, right? And that, that's what he's trying to do here. Hopefully, yeah. The last sentence here. You'll be, you'll be completely uh, grasped and held by passion. With really saying, it's better that I wasn't created. Right? That's, that's one of the things you'll feel while going through this journey in life. You'll come to that place and saying, I'd rather not have these highs or these lows. I wish I wasn't created even, because it's too painful to live with the awareness and the realization of where I've removed myself from. Okay? And now, when you come to say like while you're in this state of, of awareness, you come to Kriyashma and you imagine in your thoughts that if you'd come to a certain test in life and you would have to give your soul to Hashem. What's a good example? Huh? Like, like, no, but given, like, let, let's, let's imagine it in our, in our minds right now, okay? Very, unfortunately, it's a very easy reality that we could relate to. You're in the army, and it's a moment right now, you're Roi Klein, Hashem Yikom Dano, the Gibor from Lebanon, who was actually someone that I knew growing up. We grew up together in Ranana. He was a little bit older than me. And Roi Klein was the Mefaked that jumped on the grenade while saying Shema Yisrael and saving the lives of his, of his pluga, right? How many was it? He saved 11 guys or 13 guys? Mashu Kazeh. It's like, we can't even imagine, right? But it's not something that happened in like a storybook of 2,000 years ago. You're the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. You're the Rebbe of the Warsaw Ghetto. He's right, it's right in front of you all the time, right? This, where he was. To be able to be mostly your nefesh al-Kiddush Hashem. So he's saying over here, imagine that you come through an Isayon, and you had to give your nefesh to Hashem. He's saying, Hayita moseret nafshecha. You would give your nefesh to Hashem. Okay. How many of you think that you wouldn't give your nefesh to Hashem when, if the if the nisayon came about? Because he's separating. He, he he clearly sees the the goof is just a physical uh, the, attachment to the neshama. Right. The neshama is. The neshama would, and the neshama overrides the goof at that moment. Meaning, now where, where do you think he's basing this, this assumption that it's clear that if you had to give your nefesh, your mysterious nefesh, that you would? Well, if you realize that your goof is the only thing that's blocking you off from always being in that place, that's, that's the place. Talk about achievements. And, yeah. and, the, and the goof is just standing in the way. It was put here to constantly test us to see if we can stay tied to there, then... You're just, you're just going back to your essence. 
So what, what, what? My question is more: What? Where did he? What text is this based off of? What Hasidic text is he more or less kind of bringing forth? Tanya. Yeah, this is clearly in the Tanya. The Alter Rebbe writes this. He explains about the the dveikus that a nefesh yudi has that it's willing to be moser its nefesh to Hashem. He's saying it's unfathomable, and yet it's so pashut. Now we should never. That's why we say though in the davening in the morning. Please don't take me to a place where I have to go through this Nisayon. But deep down in our hearts, we would. Even if right now you don't believe that you would give your nefesh in a, in a situation where you had to, you would. You would. Once you're plugged into the Ahava Mesuteret, to this embedded love that exists within you, it's not even a question. We wouldn't even having the, having this debate. It would be clear to you like daylight. Like just like you know if you're hungry, you'd eat. So too, the neshama knows that if it needed to milser its nefesh, Hashem, it would, without a doubt. If you asked Roe Klein five minutes before that happened, if he would, I don't know what he would say, but b'sha'at ma'aseh, b'sha'at ma'aseh, which means live, while it's happening, you would. Now the PSS says, you don't have to go through this befoal in order to realize what you're made out of. But there's an Indian of in Kriyat Shema where you go to that place of mysterious nefesh for Hashem. This is what ha- this is what, when when it's done right. When davening is done right, according to the Svarim, at that moment, where are you supposed to connect to? That I would be moisture my nefesh right now for you, Hashem, if need be. It's interesting. Our uh, our cousins take that to a very different place. Right. That's taking this idea and concept in a radically different direction. Like you don't see that anywhere in Judaism. Like we're not saying that that's an ideal or a way of becoming close to Hashem. No, God forbid. God forbid. Right. Nor, nor do we say that you should seek these opportunities right. ever. It's almost like they, they, they don't have a hard time with this goof. This goof. <laughs> well, it's, it's weird. You know why? <laughs> because what's their promise? Right. Right, the 70, right? It's a physical promise. It's a physical promise that leads them to do something so out of body, right? To the body. To the body. But you know that when, you know these guys, when they go on these missions, you know what, what they do physically? They drag them up. They, a, they drag them up, but you know what they do to certain body parts? It, it's insane. They, I don't want to speak like this in shul, but they, they, they try to preserve that area wrap it with certain things. Yes, it's, 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 the, it's the utmost perversion of the concept of Messiah it's Nefer. It's, it's such a physical, it's, it's so weird. It's such a physical thing for them. Mamash. It's such a warped understanding of, of being Messiah Nefesh. Lahavdil elef milyon ehavdalas, a year does not even, there's nothing to do with his body, with anything. It's about Hashem. It's not about even Olam Abba. It's not, a Yid's not willing to mostly ask Nefesh because he's like thinking, you know what, the ultimate getting to Gan Eden is this. That's not even what he's thinking. Rewards are not even what, what, what are, it's nothing to do with Schar. It's a bitl, it's complete nothingness to the main, to the main picture. We have, we have certain, we have a lot of stories like this throughout history. But Roy Klein, for some reason, I mean, not for some reason, he stands out so much because this just happened in Mechemet Levelon Hashniyah 
in 2006, was it? Yeah. 11 years ago, 11 summers ago. I remember, remember him training for the army. I always remember him training for the army as a kid. He was the guy that was learning all day, and then at night he would go and run around the town, and we'd see him at the basketball courts doing pull-ups late at night. I always remember him. It's crazy. So he said again, a second line, Ha'ita moseret nafshecha. This is what happens during Shmona Yisrael. Rabbi Moser, my nefesh, mit oreret shuv tshukatcha hatmidit, shema'anadcha tamid beseter libcha. Once again, your constant passion arouses again, which usually tortures you in your heart of hearts. Matov hayali lukvaraiti mitpater mikol elu. What good would be for me if I would just get rid of everything that is in front of me? And I would transform again to be one of the limbs in the body of the king, so to speak. That just means like complete beetle, right? That I'm just, as an neshama without a body, I'm just like part of the body of the king. I'm one of the limbs in the body of the king, completely nullified in the oneness of Hashem. The Kolki saying, this is what happens to certain people when they're in davening. Okay, when they're mamish in that place of davening and they're tasting what it means to be so close to Hashem for a minute and they're saying, why in the world would I ever choose to leave this state? You know, a, a sane yid that tastes these moments of Vegas asks himself, why on earth would I voluntarily choose to remove myself from, from feeling so one with this moment. You ever have that? You all scared to be haughty? Is that why there's no... You were young Kipper last year. Yeah? Like a big... I just felt that I felt my connection. I felt that that's a little bit... It was like relief. Right. Right. The, the truth is Yom Kippur, the height of Yom Kippur really is, and we've had Baruch Hashem, we've had here these moments where it's really clear to us that at certain moments especially towards Neila, we could we could we're looking at our watch not to see how much time is left but how much time we meaning how much less time we have there really are moments like that and these thoughts and passion of wanting to stay with the oneness are becoming so close until it seems to you until you really feel that you're actually going through this nisayan of giving your life because it feels so real to you meaning the experience you're having while imagining all this with your machshavot seems so real to you, you you're, you're actually in a trance and you think this is really happening to you now this is like very crazy words because this is what he did. What does this mean? And with simcha, you make one final jump through derech hamoked. You know what moked means? The furnace. El ha'ensof. He doesn't say that you're jumping into the furnace. He says you're jumping through the furnace till the Ein Sof. It's like how Reb Shlomo described his vision. Talk about Bnei Machshavat Tova, Reb Shlomo's Machshavot, is that he described his vision while he was writing the Krakow Nigun. Remember that story, how he wrote the Krakow Nigun? 
The first is a very slow, depressing piece. He wrote this in Poland, in Krakow, in the Ramashul. And then the second part is because he saw that they basically, he said, I saw them going into the gas chambers and coming out in Yerushalayim Shalmala, coming on the other side of Yerushalayim. So he's saying over here the same thing. That which our forefathers had to do, literally, a Yid is capable of doing this through it, refining and strengthening his mashavas. To me, that is Torah's Chad Kayam, because I don't know what year he's writing this, but I imagine he sees where the things are headed, and he's giving huge chizit to his right. mashavah Torah. It's definitely but before it's the war, but... We're not, we're obviously Baruch Hashem, 70 years later sitting here, but it's still... Yeah, but, but we're sitting here and there's a terrorist in our, in our backyard here. Right, but we don't have the... They're not building the furnaces. Or they're not building the furnaces, right. He says, You're making one jump through the moked, through the furnace, to the infinite. Meaning, in your mind, you're doing it, but when you do it properly in your mind, you feel that it's actually happening to you. You're doing it with <clears throat> That's insane. That's just, that's just wild to me. Do you think he's talking about a physical furnace? Yeah. He's talking about any of the challenges in our any life. Any of them, but he's saying physical furnace, any of those things that you have to be most of your nefesh for. Until sometimes what could happen to you, you physically, your body starts to like freak out. From the ramifications of such a way of thinking. He's saying over here, so powerful is the mind that it's not just mind over matter, it's mind over body in a re- very real way that when you go through this trance, when you go through this place of the manifestation of these thoughts, so not only is it something that stays in the kavana where you realize, oh my God, I would do such a thing, your body is so nothing compared to your soul at those moments that your body starts to tremble from something that's happening naturally through the refining of your thoughts. Again, how does a person get to this? He's saying about when you really, really, really put in front of you the realization that you're ready to not have any legitimate excuses anymore for why you're not where your really, soul really wants to be. That's the, that's, the prerequ- that's the criteria here. You need to be okay with not putting blame on anyone or anything that you always felt forced you or pushed you away from having the opportunity of basking in Hashem's light. And you just say, it's just, it's me. I did this. I removed myself from there. Saying when you're willing to take full responsibility for where you're spiritually at right now, then the realm, the possibilities of reaching these places with your refinements of thoughts only then it seems to me, only then that's when it's, it starts to become possible for you to reach these amazing elated spaces of thinking, of thoughts, and becoming B'nai Machshava Tova. It seems like only then and there. How does everyone feel about this? Does anyone want to say anything about, about everything we just did right now? Because it's very, very... It seems impossible, right? It seems, it seems like this is not in our cards. You recognize that the, that the 
physical pleasures of life are temporary, but the constant is basking in the glory of Hashem with our Neshama, our spiritual connection, right. then you realize that no matter how much physical pleasure you try to scoop up in this world, it, it, it's nothing compared to the other side, the, the, the more real side. So you, you just, it's easy to just dis disconnect from, from seeking out those physical pleasures if they are in conflict with your spiritual Only in purpose. those moments, though. Why not? If you, know, if you know that to be true, then when things are happening to you, you you're just... Yeah, but those moments rarely last. He was writing this, he was writing this though, at the time when the world was coming apart, the saints, right? Isn't that right? It's before the world. Yeah, it's before but, before but the world. It's between World War One, World War Two. The world is the world is choshech. Absolutely. This, this one is yeah. The Eish Kodesh was written from within the. I'll find out the exact years that it was written. But this is like, it's not exactly like 1935 was right. was all beautiful either. Right. You know, it, it's coming down right. uh, hardcore. So they were sensitive to the fact that the world is, is really fixing to go through some serious. So it's easier to adapt to the fact that it's, it's a joke. Right. The whole thing is a house of cards. Right. If you see it happening around you, we're intellectually saying, yeah, we have physicality, this, 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 and that. Okay, well, well fine, wonderful. Everything's, right. in America especially, as this American mentality, can't happen here, everything's cool, no matter how bad it looks, whatever. Everything's all right, don't worry about a thing. Right. Give me the uh, give me the vape and where everything's cool. July fourth, yeah. <laughs> right. But in in reality, these guys live through. I mean, it's serious business. Yeah. You see the world literally collapsing around you. You can get a better grasp on reality. I think we see the world collapsing, no? <laughs> intellectually, not physically. No, not yet. Not no intellectually. Intellectually, it's almost over. Uh, Actually, I've known this for 40 years. <laughs> okay, great. You know, I haven't seen anything you know, tumble down yet, but right. But these guys were watching it happen. Right. We're seeing it, fixing it happen. I always wonder, like, if the Rebbe's knew that that World War II was going to happen, that the Shrub was going to happen, would they have spoken differently? And then I, I get the most utmost chizuk when I realize. Because World War II was about to happen, that's why they all said what they said. That's why he's talking like this. Yeah. Not just him or Rabbi Nachman, who was a hundred years before World War II, but that's exact. I think they were all Makdim Rafua Lamaka. They were all sent as the healing leaves of medicine. Rav Cook. You know, when's Rav Cook? Rav Cook dies in 1935. Rav Cook and the Piazitsna are alive at the same time. And I think, like all these tzaddikim are saying, it's about, they know it's all about to go down. Do you want to wait until you're physically forced to go to that place of willing to say, I'm willing to bolster my nefesh? Or, or, or do you want to do that now? It's possible to do that even before you're forced. That's what I think he's saying. Yeah, that's right. Right? It yep. seems like he's saying... You can get to this place. Right, meaning, meaning it's all... It's, meaning, of course it's tremendous to do that physically when you're pushed there and you have no choice. But to own it when you're not forced physically, but you go there with your mind, that means you're a free person. Give up. Yeah, that's exactly what it is. Like, give up physical things that push us away from Kedusha. 
it's obviously big time. It's 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 small relative to what it's tiny relative to what the, the real true physical this year's nefesh that the PSS may have to go through. Right. But for weaklings like myself, that feels like you're being most certain nefesh. What? To like give what? up like physical things that you say uh, right. that you realize aren't are remote, right? We spoke about this on Sunday about like a certain group of friends that that to just to just say, look, this really is not bringing me any closer to Hashem. Now I can bring all the legitimate reasons why I should still hang out with them. At the end of the day, I'm not walking out of those meetings thinking about the oneness of God, or I'm not walking out of those get-togethers thinking like, wow, I feel like this is where my Neshama wants to be. So, but then sometimes we're forced to do that. So I think exactly what he's saying here is that in your mind, what's, what's offered to you through like doing Kriyachma properly, right? Even just doing Kriyachma properly is to go there without being forced. But I think that as an exercise for us on a Mamaisa level, it's be, it'd be to monitor ourselves for real. And just take today, like the, the, you could do it yesterday, but it would be better to do this today. I'm not talking about work because work is... Uh, it's not like, well, if I see that at work, it's not making me feel like I'm the Machana of Shechina, then that means I should stop going to work. That's not, that's not what I'm saying now. There's, there's a way to elevate work. We know that. We're talking about all those things that's called, that are called motarot, which means... Um, luxuries. What's that? Luxuries. Luxuries. Now, I'm not, luxuries aren't... It's not Vegas. I'm talking about luxuries in our day-to-day lives. There are these extra luxuries, right? There's like 35,000 luxuries in, in, these, in, these, you know, in, the, in, in the machines. But to monitor yourself today and see if there, is there one part of today that I'm willing to not fool myself and admit that this really doesn't make me feel that I'm getting closer to being part of the Machana of Shechina. Yeah. Between what? Between just enjoying what life has to offer and then you cross over into an indulgence. Uh, tell me, I don't know, what is it? I, I don't know, that's the question I ask myself all the time. Though. Do you think is, there is? When I'm engaging in whatever it is I'm engaging in, am I indulging or am I simply enjoying the reward that's being given? I think when the net enjoyment surpasses the damage that shame causes, that is where it crosses to. Well, if you're indulging and feeling blocked off from your connection through your neshama, then you've gone too far. You're doing something. You just go to the place where it's more like it becomes an indulgence if I didn't, if I can't connect that reward with, like I didn't deserve it. I feel like if like we get these rewards because Hashem, I just feel like something good happened to me in my life. It means that Hashem is happy with me. Mm. Now, when I'm taking if I'm taking something that I didn't really earn, now I'm indulging. I'm really stealing is what I'm really feeling. Right. But, so when you cross over, and I don't, I'm sure it's different for every person, but I go through this all the time. Am I taking, because I don't think we're supposed to be here and just avoid every, every physical, you know, every good physical thing that we can enjoy. I don't On the contrary, you're supposed, to, you're supposed to enjoy it, you're supposed to elevate it. Right. That we're not talking about refraining from physical enjoyments. <clears throat> That's not what it is. Some, some would take it to that extent. We're talking just about the, the, the awareness 
of my day, that today I'm gonna, I know I'm going to see this person, be around there, have that meeting, have that meal, have that phone call. From all the things I'm going to be doing today, is there one thing that I have enough guts to say, this is really not needed? Because, why, and why is it not needed? Because it definitely does not add anything to feeling like my neshama is at home. So you can, you can find the distinction by, by figuring out is it something that you want to do? Is it something that you really want to do? When you walk away from the situation, do you say, oh, that was something that I wanted to do on, on all levels? Not just on one level, on all levels, is that something that I wanted to do? Oh, man, we'd be left with doing nothing if, if not, that I was the question. Want. I think it's, if, if you're going to do that thing, it's going to help you spiritually get closer to your connection with Hashem. Then, then through the physical thing, you're making that connection, the spiritual connection stronger. But if you're doing it purely for the physical enjoyment, and there's no... Benefit but once you're getting to this side. level, then that's not something that you would want. You wouldn't. You don't, okay, you don't you honestly want, right, to, to do something that you feel is taking you away from that oneness. So it, it's about like aligning. That, that's what he said. That remember the meditation on Sunday was just. He says when, when you're about to do something, yeah, not, put it just put into the context that listen, you might want to do this, but this it's is this is taking away. you very far away, yeah. right? So it's tapping into that relative, I feel like yeah. that can be a good indicator for whether or not what you're doing is, is too far right. indulgent or if it's just... Now we're still point. certain, we're still certain though, that I'm still going to do it and I'll still have every, all the excuses in the world why, why I should do it. Because of, I'm not on a level, I didn't learn as much as he did, He's, I'm not as holy as him, he could do it, I can't, he could refrain from not doing that thing because he has a better support system. That's why it keeps on going back to this place. The Rebbe is saying is, be done with all excuses. You, ha you have to rid yourself from all excuses that prevent you from thinking that you can be Meiser Nefesh. That's really what it is. Every, any excuse in the book. You know, yesterday I was on Maimir uh, Peset, and I was just thinking, Shifti Bebet Hashem Kol and that's all David It's like the opposites, of like the, the Warsaw Ghetto, the, the World War II is on the horizon. And he's like, I don't know. I, that's just, I'm, I'm just not there. I'm never going to be Besimcha thinking I'm going to jump into the gas chambers, Besimcha, onto the infinite. But the same place, David Amal was saying, I just want to be in the Beit HaMikdash. I've subdued all my enemies. There's financial prosperity. There's peace on earth. There's like, just like lots of Benoam Hashem, just to be in this place of oneness with Hashem. Then to put out the YouTube, no way. No way. <laughs> because you can be, actually be Shifti Bevet Hashem on your mere peset in the tales of Yehuda. It's but, but what does the mind say? No, I can, get, I, can, I, can, I can get a great Torah shear here, you know. I can find a good vort here. It's, it's weird. We do it to ourselves. We say that this is part of Shifti. We've convinced us of this. Yeah. No, so so he's saying so so where's the stop? I just think the more that we try to think of what is it what is it to be bibital, what is it to be close to Hashem, this meditation is just not I'm just not at the Madrega where I'm thinking of myself running into the gas chambers Basimcha. But I could really picture myself Basimcha in the Beit Hamikdash. I could really, really picture myself really Basimcha there. Lachza Bin Hashem being so close in because we could 
for the first time maybe in Jewish history in the last 3,000 years, we can actually like, it's not that far away to imagine subduing our enemies and like, we're just like right around the corner. And then in that place, when I really feel that Tvekut Hashem in that like meditation, then I really don't want to be marching myself from the Machine of the Shekinah. Then it's really like I'm near tough from this stupid phone. I don't I just want to like be like to give me my guitar and get the phone away from me. So, um, but I, it's like these two opposite worlds, one from like the depths of the exile and one Mamashli Krata But I think they're both Mechavin to the same place of just Bittal, of just being Lachza bin Hashem. It's so pretty, and you're so full of it, by the way. <laughs> you know, you know I, I, I'll call you out on this like, very clearly. You're absolutely full of it because... This is no topic. Uh, <laughs> I'm already here right now. You're full of it because that's very pretty. That's great. That's not, gonna, that's not really going to arouse within you the fiery passion for anything. That's true. That's one. Why am I saying you're full of it? Because you would be mostly your nefesh. If, if need be. And that's what he's saying over here. He's not saying that you can understand this by not need be. You can't understand this or feel that you would be this guy that he's describing unless you were forced to. So let's go, no, let's go back to that right now. If I was forced to do this, chas v'shalom, would I? So I'm telling you about you, you would. Chas v'shalom, you should never be put through the test. But I know that you would. I know that every person in this room would. Believing in Am Yisrael believes that they also, that, that each Yid would. But specifically people that I know, I could say about them, they would. And not just the thing, they would take a bullet. You, for Eretz Yisrael, would be mostly your nefesh. And if not, you're definitely in the wrong business, and you should, <laughs> you should change careers very, very fast. But I know you would. So having said that, that I know you would, that means that, the, that all, that's what I have to go to during Kriyachma. Will I reach it every time I hit Kriyachma? That, that passion where I realize, oh my God, I would do this? No. But there are enough dots to connect the line like he always tells us. But the shifty vision that you're describing will bring a nice sense of like a nice pool of water to feel naim in. But there's no fire in what, we were, what you were describing. It's a great place. David Amalek did not get to Shifti B'Vais Hashem without the fire that he had to go into. There's, he did not reach those elated places of, of, of Shalva B'Amal Asayich without the fire and the wars and the million Goliaths that he had to go through. That's what brings about. That's the, you described the end game on a certain level. But I know that we have access to go to have enough passion to connect to those fiery moments which make us into the yidin that are willing to be Moser and Nefesh. Whether we understand, you can't understand these things intellectually. It's not something that we can understand from the outside. Like we spoke about on Sunday, we want to look at these things, experience them from the inside. So he's saying over here, this is a way to experience these things from the inside that you don't have to convince yourself you're holy, you're holy. It's just being connected to your neshama and being connected to the neshama's ratzon. And the neshama's ratzon is to never, ever, ever be pulled away from that place of elokut. Ever. And then, that's the game we're in in this world. That's this game. So all I was saying was like, take today and monitor your neshamas. Don't monitor just what you're eating, what you're not eating, how much you're sleeping, how much what you're not eating. 
monitor every part of your every day, every part of the day, to see where your neshama feels most at home, and then see the moment that excuses come into the picture as to why it's okay. Why is it okay that I'm not keeping my neshama here in the base medrash all day long or whatever it is? I feel like the Shabbos, because it's like you don't have the type of, of the phone, right? But there's other stuff like uh, Shabbos table, Shabbos afternoon. Like, what does Shabbos look like? I feel like it's for again a, a weekly for right. a weekly like me. It's the easiest place to start trying to build this scale. Like the decisions you make through the day on Shabbos, right? Because you don't you, you're removed from a lot of the you know it's. But at the same time, we're still presented with lots of different routes to take on that day. How come those decisions don't usually last? Because Shabbos is removed from Olam HaAsiyah. You're not supposed to make any decisions on Shabbos. You're supposed to just be in, in what you've set for yourself that day. That's what makes it so difficult. But Shabbos, the lusts of Shabbos, ain't self. Ain't self. Amazing. Absolutely. used to be for me what I used to print before Shabbos. Before I was living here, before the rabbi in the shul, so my list of what I'd print before Shabbos. And the pressure I had on myself to get through all the reading material that I bared myself before Shabbos was almost this war I had within myself of how am I going to get through all this or not. But there's all different layers of, the, of, 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 of Mamish, even on Shabbos, absolutely. It's everywhere. It's, it's, it's in every area of our life. So I think that we want to become people that want to stay with Kedusha all the time, that want it to be something consistent in our lives. And there's no other way in this world to be connected to it without the aspect of Ish, without fire. Now, Jeremy, I know I also cannot imagine in a million years that I would voluntarily jump into a gas chamber when it would be clear to me that it was Kiddush Hashem. I don't even think the people that were in the Shoah were happy to go. I don't think anyone... Nah, you have one or two or three real stories about the real tzaddikim that were realized what they were doing. Because, like, I think that, you know, the Ish Kaidish, if I'm not mistaken... He doesn't say jump in, I'm sorry for jumping. He says jump through. Through. Yeah, but that's, that, that's, a, that's an ultimate awareness, about. right. Here, here's what I was saying. This is a meditation that he's giving us. I just don't think that I have the guts to do this meditation. Uh, the guts, okay. the discipline. I'd much rather the okay. meditation of shifti bivet Hashem Okay, so no, that's good. You don't have the guts to do this meditation. Ad shaguf nirtan, because you can really or see. Or are like, you not convinced of it's a, the, the, No, I can that, see that being very powerful. The, the through I can see that being sure, very powerful. Sure. If it's just in, there's no. You're not coming out the other side and improving yourself. It's through. You're going through to get. There is something even better on the other side. You're not jumping into anything, you're going through something. I, at least for me, that's how I, what I connected to when you told that story. Right. I think, that, I think the Ish Kodesh himself, I have to look at the, the biography again, but I think that when he was being put into the, losing his life, I think he put on a kittel in his talus and tefillin. I'm gonna, I have to go back to the story of his life. Yeah, I think that's how he took off. I think he was holding a Zohar, actually. Yeah, I think, I think so. And, and 80 years later, he's impressing this printing press woman that has no idea why she can't take his, her eyes off, off such a time. It's a person with Ben Machshavat Could you send that picture to us? 
weird like little thing for me, the one that's punning? Oh, you have it. Oh, I thought that's... He put it on, he put it on the WhatsApp group. Oh. It's on I'll send it to you again. I'll send it to you again. I'll send it to you again. Okay, Yishakach, guys. We'll continue Thursday with Chassidus and the Ba'asha.